2: discuss topics and passages that are related to the Bible. I used to say that they are from the Bible, but not everything we talk about is directly from the Bible, and I think that uh, this week, our discussion is going to kind of go along those lines, and uh, I should let you know, my name is Pete Becky. I am an associate pastor at Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. Joining me today are our regular panelists, Pastor Don McDonald, who is known as P-Mac or Pastor Mac. He is the pastor at Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois, and Josh Kugel, Pastor Josh Kugel, is the pastor at First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. Gentlemen, it's good to have you with us, as always. I always enjoy our talks. I enjoy our time of fellowship when we do these things. And the topic we're uh, going to be sharing today, I kind of had the idea for the topic, and, and Don had the kind of idea to change it a little bit to this, and I think this is what we came up with. What are America's cultural norms today? What are America's cultural norms today? And I don't mean norm like somebody's name is Norman, but I mean, what's what's normal for our culture today? What, what kinds of things do we see um, in our culture that we consider to be just the regular old ways of doing things, maybe compared to how things used to be I mean guys I think you'll agree with me that we have seen a lot of changes in our lifetimes I mean Don you and I go back to I think we first met in 1975 I believe it was so you know we're talking well over 40 years and and things have changed a lot in this world in this nation haven't they
1: I I think that was one of the conversations we had before we were starting up was what we used to do and what we can do today are night and day, you know, we have to be more attentive to, uh, I don't know, people's feelings, people's realities of life than what we were before. Is it better or for worse? I don't know. I think it's a mix of both. Um, And I know, you know, when we were talking about cultural norms, I think back you know, in the 60s and the 70s, where I grew up, it, there was a, an, a, I would say, a greater awareness of God being in our culture and a greater openness to it than what we have today. Um, and, and I think that's something that really, we as a church, we struggle with because there are times where the school's very open to having us come in and care for the kids as pastors. And then there are other times it's like, no, we don't need the church in this setting. You you don't need to become so close to the schools. So it's it's an interesting tension, I think, that we're living through, you know, as a culture about needing God and not needing God at the same time. Um, that was some of my initial thoughts on that. I'm I'm not sure where Josh is on this, but I thought I'd pick on Josh and say, Hey Josh, what do you think?
0: What are you guys talking about? No, I'm just kidding. Um I, two two thoughts as we start talking about this one is I have a gideon in my church um and I don't know if you guys have are familiar with Gideons at all um I think probably most people in ministry are um and there's a school district very near to us that has been uh very we're in a very Christian part of the country we're in a uh that kind of thing but um the school district just a few years ago said we can't allow Gideons on the campus anymore because We don't want to be seen as partisan to any particular view. And so you can just see how um, the separation is being mandated legally of Christian faith and your secular life. But the other thing that really got me more than any of that is I I was a youth pastor a few years ago, and I was uh, doing a a Wednesday night message in youth group, and we probably had 65 teens there. So it was a good-sized group. Most of these kids are from Christian homes. Most of them have been in church for a long time. And I said, uh, how, how, with hands, and it was just, I, I did not expect this to happen. It caught me off guard. But I said, with hands, how many of you remember the story of Jonah and the whale? For you guys, for you two guys, before you got into ministry, you knew the story of Jonah as a whale, and the whale as a kid, right?
2: I Yeah, yeah we did. So I... I I I can't remember when I first learned it, so probably, you know.
0: Well, two teens in that entire youth group, about sixty, sixty-five teenagers, mostly from Christian homes, knew the story of Jonah and the whale.
2: And let me let me just share that the home I grew up in was kind of a non-practicing Catholic home. So yeah. we may not have had that particular knowledge or story told to us so you know sure. i i've known the story as long as i can remember but i well, don't know if i could say it for sure I, I don't i
0: the the reason i bring those two up is i don't know if it's chicken and egg the way the culture is is shifting away from church i don't know if it's because we're becoming unchurched so our culture is or i don't know if it's because we're making uh laws to protect people which is causing um us to become more unchurched and further away from the church i i I, i'm i'm really as i think about the shift that's happening i'm not sure exactly where to place blame but a lot of it i place on on the church for not adjusting and doing what it needs to in a a culture that's moving in the way it is
2: well can i can i share this part of uh reality and i've been sharing this for literally decades and and i think we're seeing some of the some of the concerns that i had coming to fruition now Back, I I was first ordained in ministry in 1999. So that means I've been doing this not quite a quarter of a century. You know, over the 90s, I was studying for ministry and and had what in the Church of the Nazarene we call district licenses. You're still working in ministry, but you're not ordained yet. So I've been doing this in the 90s, the 20s, the 20s, the, the 2010s, now into the 2020s, and so it's covered four different decades and even back in the 1990s I was talking about the fact that at that time now again I'm using Don and I because we were both in the same um, class in school in you know same graduating class in school and we were amongst the first to go to kindergarten after the bible was basically outlawed prayer in schools was outlawed in schools before that there was you know bible there was prayer and i think it was 19 probably 66 or something when i started in kindergarten and so that was just a couple of years three four years after that whole brown versus board of education and and the whole you know you can't pray in school and all that stuff happened and i believe with each succeeding generation we're getting that much farther away from knowing God or understanding God. Now, let, let me kind of blow our minds here for a minute. You realize that um, college uh, students today who are graduating basically might not have even been born yet when 9-11 happened. You know, yeah. that, was, that yeah. was, I mean, they may, a few of them may have been, you know, a year or two old. But that's not even part of their memory. That's part not part of their lifetime. That's not part of what they recall. It's just things have changed so much. We don't have young people anymore who are um, even remembering that significant time. That significant time in, in their lives kind of relates to maybe, Don, you're in my life, of what it was like when President Kennedy was assassinated and to our parents' life of when um, –
1: World War 2 Pearl,
2: Pearl Harbor was going on right and so you know we have these things there in the back of our minds we know they happened they're historical but we didn't experience them and it's just that it's it's a totally different group of people out there now and
1: i i think the thing that always touches me cuz with thing about cultural norms and things like that and the speed of change that has happened Especially with the advent of the internet. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here. i I quietly went, Oh my goodness, I'm getting old because because of COVID, my youth group didn't meet for like two, three years. And I finally had a youth group meeting here about three, four, five months ago that was actually a youth group meeting because we were adjusting to COVID. And I looked around, it was all brand new kids with a whole different perspective. To what my last group of kids had. And, and so I, th- I think our cultural norms change so much, but we don't always notice it because we don't remember what the norm was before. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that with the, how quickly it's
2: happening. You realize that most second graders have never had what we would consider to be a normal year of school yet because yet. 19 to 20 was cut off, 20 to 21 was messed up. 21 to 22 is messed up. Nobody has had that
1: normal thing yet. And they're still masking kids. Well, and, and I think, you know, thinking about the cultural yeah. norm issue, as a Christian, you're sitting back going, man, we have slipped away so much from a biblical understanding and from a theocentric understanding of who we are as people. But those that are not deeply religious won't even notice that it's happened. You know, I I think Josh said it well before we started up. He says, hey, you know what? Remember the Old Testament? Remember all this has happened before. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if anybody studies the Old Testament for any amount of time, you'll see that uh, from one generation to the next, there were many times that people were very close to God, followed all of his laws, did everything he requested of them, you know made make sure that every idol was removed and everything and then one generation later they're sacrificing their children to foreign gods and 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 even even I would say not only sacrificing not only embracing foreign gods but they're very uh um animus is that the right word towards God yeah um towards his the thing that he wants for them you know so I, I don't I'm a little worried about it, but I hear so much in church. Uh, Jesus must be coming back because it's never been this bad before, and I just want to respond to that. Well, for, for one, we're not unless we won't talk about abortion. We're not sacrificing our children in, a, in a, at least a ritual kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember in the Roman in in the Roman Empire, there was at one time where at least in Rome and all more than half of the uh, adult males at least said we're in same sex relationships of some type yeah and people keep telling me you know um you know it's never been this bad before this way before and it's like well you we, you need to study a little history for one because it has and you also need to believe in god a little more because god can turn this tomorrow if 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 the right things happen if he wants to and if he you know and all this kind of stuff and you need to recognize too that our our place is not all, only just to stand back and say, whoa, what happened? It's to engage somehow. It's to figure out what's going wrong. It's to figure out how we can protect our children from the nightmare. I was also reading um, a, a book and it was talking about, and it was oh, not the book. I was reading a summary of the book, but one of the allegations was a lot of people raise, a lot of people are good parents and they raise their kids and their kids turn out to be just awful kids. And most of the time in church, we think that that's not true, but you read this book and you can do the best job of raising your kids. But if your kid comes into contact at an influ- influential part of their lives with the wrong person, with the wrong agenda that they begin to, to to take information from, you'll watch a kid that grew up in the best house become the worst person because of that. And so I, I don't know, there's so much going on, um, but we've lost our cultural influences that say, look, you need to... Be right with God. You need to consider your eternity. You need to, you know, because because one of the things Pete is a lot of things are changing really quick. But I look at the morality of our culture, and it's hard to make a case that it's getting better.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's hard to make a case that we're talking better than we used to, and treating women better than we used to, and and you know, and and more accepting really of viewpoints than we used to be. It's I don't know.
2: Well, you're absolutely right. I, I think that um, when we look at how things have gone, we we have just moved away from God. I think the way that I like to share it, the way I like to say it, not that I like to say it, but the way that I've generally said it, is that we live in a nation that I believe was was established by God. Now, I'm not trying to say, you know, we were supposed to be the Christian nation when everybody needs to come to this nation to, to see the light of Jesus. No, I'm saying that God gave us this nation. I think he gave us a a way to have freedom to have liberty justice but at the same time um be free to worship him and for the first 200 some years just about maybe not quite 200 years but whatever that was the case and it's getting less and less like that over the past you know oh half a century maybe and part of the the problem is that we're just looking instead of looking to god as the one who has provided these things for us, as we see scientific advancements, whether it be in medicine or whether it be in in um, technology or, or whatever, we start looking at all these things as the answers, rather than looking to God as the one who has let us come up with some of these answers. And so we're looking at technology, or we're looking at medicine, or we're looking at various different things as say this will give us the answer you know you learn this and it's just kind of like god gets pushed further and further into the background until
1: he's irrelevant in this society to many 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 people i i think that's where i i, I keep putting in front of me second chronicles 7 14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And Mm -hmm. as I was reading that, the thing that's most interesting is that this was written in a time where the temple had finally been built and everything's ready to go. And Shekinah, God's presence gets into the temple and everything's great and everything's right. And already we're getting a taste that God already knows the Israelites are going to walk away from him. God already knows that that's going to take place. So you're already getting, even within the party of the temple's finished, Shekinah, God's presence is there. Hey, it's going to go awry. And and I think we're living through a very tense-filled time in the light of the church is being called to redefine its relationship with a culture that at times is walking away from God. So it, it creates moments where we as a church have to say, hey, listen, we're still here. Hey, listen, we can still make a difference in our world if you're at least open to hear our voice. And I think one of my prayer walks through all this in America in particular, which is my context of ministry, is more that sense of Holy Spirit, open the doors wide. Even if that means we have to be more broken So that you can move even more powerfully, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I see, you know, we were talking before we got on, on the air here for this podcast, my middle child wanted to talk about a theocentric understanding of creationism in the high school and he had checked it all out on the internet and had good research on it in the schools like if it's not in the textbook we can't talk about it and the and the history of teacher agreed with my middle child that hey yeah this is just as plausible of an option for creation as evolutionism is but we're not so well integrated in our public schools to have that conversation as well as what we should and, and that, to me, is the role of, you know, us as preachers sort of raising the flag gently to say, hey, we need to have this conversation because it's just as a viable option within the scientific community as is evolution.
2: Does it ever bother you, Don or Josh, where there are people who seem to want to um, do exactly what you said, you know, talk about those situations but they do it in such a way that they just probably turn people off of Jesus.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I
2: mean, yeah. There are are people who just do not seem to share about God the way that I believe Jesus would want them to, Um, you know, we're supposed to be witnesses for him. And yeah, but
0: Pete, Pete, um, I, I just want to say real quick, I think every group has those kind of people, but Christians are held to higher standards and we hold ourselves right. to higher standards. Right, right. I think yeah. if, if you talk about, you know, any other ideology, they have their weirdos too. Absolutely. They, they really do. But there's something about being a Christian that makes us want to be above board. Right. And, and so when we hear people in our own faith misrepresenting what we believe, we it bothers us more than I think most people.
2: Sure, but, sure. But go,
0: ahead, go ahead. No, no,
2: that, I think that that's exactly right. And, and I think that kind of gets to where is our culture today because I think our culture, especially the secular culture, which let's let's be honest, the secular culture is pretty much running things now. And so when the secular culture gets a chance to badmouth the Christians, gets a chance to point out something that's wrong, oh, they'll take that and run with it. And so they'll point out these people who you say are the more extreme. I don't know if your word was extreme or on, I don't remember what the word was used, but on the edges. But they're not the normal people who are representing Christianity. But the, the culture, the media, the society will focus on those situations and make people think that's what all Christians are like. And, and you know, that's another thing that, that um, I think is happening in our culture is our culture is trying to divide people. And that's, I think, a very dangerous thing. Where does it say that you have to group people by affiliation of something, whether it be race, whether it be um, whether or not you're Catholic or Protestant or or non-Christian or whether it be by your your heritage or whatever it might be? Why do you have to be grouped into that category as though every single person in that category thinks the same or acts the same or believes the same? You, you have to
0: group people so you can deal with them.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> you that's, have to. That's the way that people want you to think. <laughs> you, 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 you don't know. I mean,
0: I, I have to so I can be right or so I can know how to talk to you. I have to know what you think and everything. And so I've got to determine, you know, I've got to put you in a group. Um, but I would say that most of the groupings are based either around money or power. Um, you know, voting blocks or. Or, you know, a uh, uh, potential audience, um, people who would be on my side versus people who would be on their side. Yeah. We're quick at figuring out um, who's who.
1: I, I think the thing that I, re, my reaction a little bit to it is that we're called to pursue that, that bond of peace, that unity, even with those who we disagree with. And I, I agree with Josh, we, we, we tend towards building our own groups. But when we do that, then we limit the voice of Christ. You know, that, that's the thing that really comes to my mind. I've been surviving COVID, you know, these two, three years. And I've, my church has both sides represented in it. And it's been like, listen, I may agree or disagree with your viewpoints. But number one thing we need to do first is show love to one another in Christ. If you wear a mask, great. If you don't, great. Do you love each other in Christ? And I think we've lost that ability, because I agree with you totally, Pete, that it's we're so marginalized now that we've lost the ability to love one another in Christ even though we might see the world differently. I mean, one of the reasons I'm here in Reconciling Grace is because all three of us do not totally agree with everything, but we understand that Jesus is first. Mm-hmm. We don't agree on everything? No, not at all. Stop talking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we don't agree, I'm going to shut your mic off, right? No, you know that's, that's not what we're like. But again, that's another thing that's going on in this culture that I don't think that I would have ever, ever have thought even ten years ago maybe not even five years ago would have gone on that you cannot even share your opinion without being censored now I mean before there was social media you know there, there are young people today who can't imagine life without social media yeah but, I you know,
0: I I was going to say earlier, um, the biggest difference between our childhood and the childhood now, because my, my childhood was different than my dad's. I knew that we were talking about world war II and all these things. And those were, those were significant differences, but imagine right now in 2022, going back to before we had the internet and cell phones, Mm -hmm. it's just impossible. You, You cannot even imagine a world, world back then. My, my parents used to let me ride a bike three miles from my house. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a quarter to call home if I ever needed to find a payphone. We just did that. I'll pay what? Payphone. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's something that back back in the good old days that they used to have. <laughs> but now everybody's child, every young adult has a device that their parents give them, where they can log in. There's no record of them logging in or anything, but they can get any opinion in the world. They can have any uh, any any viewpoint given to them in the world, and parents will never know about it. But it's constantly being shoved down their throat. Um, mm. It's 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 a tough. This is a a tough time to raise a, a Christian child, and it's a tough time for a kid to be a Christian. It just it just really is. Then you throw in school influences and everything else on top of that. But but I, I really think this the cell phone the that internet is is number one uh, struggle we have right now with uh the church's place in the world and that kind of thing especially in america that kind of stuff so
1: and and i think you know because i'm sort of leaning into okay where does the church fit within this culture we're living in and i think the church needs to be and i think covid has forced us into this which i think is great is that the church ended up saying hey why we're locked down and we have to stay out of our buildings we're going to have to use these social platforms to proclaim Christ. And I know, Pete, you, you told me, you know, because for me, I, I saw it as the explosion of God's kingdom, like the diaspora of, of in Acts. You know, when the church got forced to spread out because of persecution, COVID has forced the church to begin to use social media in ways that never contemplated before COVID.
0: You remember when we said we disagreed, though?
1: Yeah, I know. And that's one of the things we disagree on. I know that. I think, I think
0: COVID and the rise of technology is going to be a
1: huge,
0: huge hit to the church. And there are potential blessings. There are probably even some, but I think so many more people are saying, you know what? I can just watch online. You know what? I can just participate later this week. You know, And our, 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 attendance, our attendance metrics have changed just because of COVID. Agree. Where Agreed. people used to go three times a month and now they're down to one. Or they used to go once a month, now they're down to once every two months. Or they used to go every week and now they're two times. And I, I, I think know. the thing that they all to, say I can just watch online later.
1: I, I think Josh, the thing that's going to be interesting, and I'll probably be retired before it happens, is that sense of how do you measure success in the Christian world? We're we're using the old paradigms and, and will there be new paradigms? I don't know. You know, I, I think the church still has to find ways in the technology we're now living in to proclaim Christ to change our culture in the long run. That's that that's the bottom line in my mind. Um and you know, I've had to work hard to get Danford to the point where at least we're online, we're proclaiming Christ. Um I'm, I've been overwhelmed with some blessings from it. But I also have the same concerns you have, Josh. Our numbers are down. Our worship numbers are down. But the Lord has done something really weird for us as a church. Our tithing's up. So it, it's, it's like, you know, when I'm looking over our culture and praying over our culture and thinking about America, I hearken all the way back to a good old name, Billy Graham. He was the first one to use technology to proclaim the gospel and it was called TV to make radio first. It was radio first and then TV. And, and I think if we're going to make a difference in our culture, if we're going to say, if my people who are called by my name, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to be boldly, gently aggressive with the gospel with whatever time period God places us as a church. I do see the negatives. I'm not saying there aren't negatives there, But I also find myself reading through scripture saying the greatest negative that happened as the church was being born was the persecution of Christians and the church exploded.
2: I think the other thing too, Don, um, and again, I try to find this little balance. I I, I see both of your sides of things. And what I look historically speaking, especially when it comes to things like technology, the church is historically slow in embracing it. And then once it embraces something, it's historically slow to let go of it. So, you know, I used to make the joke back in the 1990s, you knew that VCRs were getting to be outmoded because churches were starting to get them, you know? And I think the same kind of thing happened where the Zoom meetings and Zoom things were already going on. In the church, it kind of exploded when churches couldn't meet, but what has happened is okay now churches are able to meet again and as josh pointed out we just kind of let the people get lazy you know and people just saying okay we can when i'm saying we you know i'm talking to the church it's just kind of like oh well we we're just going to meet online which is a good thing because you can offer the gospel to more people but you're also having fewer people come in and and participate in church and think that maybe the church is going to have to find a way to um, maybe continue to use this technology or maybe use newer technology in certain ways, but highly, highly encourage people to get together. Because that's another part of our, of our culture today. I think people aren't getting together the way they used to, whether it's in church or whether it's anywhere else. Now, I'm not saying they won't go to a ball game or a sporting and, event or, or whatever. Imagine or how,
0: Imagine how that's affected when you tell... Uh, 15 million people hey you can stay home and work for two years
2: yeah exactly
0: you know, We're we're becoming uh, much more lonely than we've ever been to oh yeah which which means in-person church is that much more mm-hmm. potentially essential but yeah you know
1: and i think as we relate that to our culture it's sort of like okay are you lonely are you this hey even though you've experienced us online there's a group of people waiting for you to come through the building, you know, so you're not lonely. So you're not, you know, cause that's, that's a question I'm asking as a culture. I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I've raised all three of mine in public school environment and we were blessed down here because they were open to youth for Christ and they were open to having youth for Christ. The The counselor would come in and have lunch with the kids and all the above, you know, when my guys were going through. And so I I really feel that the answer to such a secular culture is the way in which we care for one another in Christ and the way we love first online and then saying, hey, come on into an actual gathering of the church. You know, I think that's some of the answers to where we are with our culture right now in America is the, the church has lost its voice. It has lost its what I call its it's perspective in doing ministry, yeah. you know, something we got to get back to. You know? I'm,
0: I'm going to suggest one other thing, not to talk about it or anything else, but I, I think part of the problem is the church was really popular and everybody was a Christian 60, 70 years ago, and we can't handle being out of the mainstream either. We, we just can't. And so we're, we're becoming more like the world to try to win the world or, or we're becoming more like the world because we can't stand that we're getting smaller. And the truth is the church has never been, at least the idea of it has never been that everybody accepts us and everybody loves us and everybody celebrates our morality. I mean, a lot of people are thinking, um, how can the church believe that? And we're saying, no, 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 we don't believe that exactly. You know, we're really loving and all this stuff. But the truth is, our, we're, we're different from the world. I mean, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be unique and set apart and holy. Of course, a world that is destined for hell is going to have problems with us. But we can't adjust to that because we're so used to having all the power and all the politicians and everything else. So,
2: Well, uh, you're right, Josh. And I think that that's part of the thing is our culture has gotten to the point where if you disagree with somebody, you hate them. You know, and, that's, and that's not the way it actually is. But, you know, again, it goes back to what I was talking about where we're dividing people into groups. You know, it doesn't have to be racial or nationalities or whatever. It can be, I believe this about this issue, and you believe that about this issue. Uh, it seems like everything that we're we're, we're seeing in our culture is um, again, dividing people. And when we find out that there's a difference of opinion, it's kind of like, well, you can't be my friend. I think differently on that than you do. You I, know?
1: And I think the the answer to this reality because it's there before us is and and i sort of tried to do this on my facebook timeline i don't get too political on my timeline because i want jesus to be forefront i want his love to be forefront now if i happen to have a con I've, i've had some conversations with people where we don't agree but i always preface it with one thing for me Even though we're not going to agree, I'm still going to love you in Christ. What you do with that love, that's your choice. And I still have people in my life where we disagreed on something, but they got the message, we always start with Jesus first. And I think as a culture, that's something that we're lacking is the ability to build bridges even when we disagree.
2: That's very true, and, and I think one of the things that we're also missing as a church, which I think would really, really help us, is when I'm saying as a church, I'm not talking about a specific denomination, but as people of Christ, we need to go back to our first love. We need to remember that we need to love Christ first, we need to let him love us, we need to let his Holy Spirit influence our lives, and, and that we need to have that relationship with him, and we need to stress that in order that our works will be what he wants them to be. The church in which I'm not looking at the Revelation passage right now, but one of the churches it was, they lost their first love. You guys remember which one right offhand it was? Um, I'm thinking Laodicea maybe. I don't remember. But they lost their first love. In other words, they're busy doing the church's work, but they've forgotten to do it because of the love of Christ in them first.
0: And and one for me that steps out, I'm, I'm preaching through Malachi right now. Uh-huh. Um, and in Malachi, uh, the people have come back from 70 years of, um, of uh, being exiled in Babylon. And they get back and they've heard all these great stories about how great their faith is and how great their homeland is. And they come back home and the temple's not as big as they were told. They've been prophesied a Messiah and all this world power. And they're under this foreign power and there's no Messiah. The line of David is not anything that, you know, all this stuff and they get back and they go into a mode where they're just kind of, you know, we have to worship. So we'll give God our leftovers and we're really going to give our best to the people of this world who have power over us. And so a lot of it is we've forgotten that God is responsible for any good that we have. And we've begun to credit the systems of the world for the good in our lives. Um, and we're going to do that at our own our own um our own folly uh but that i mean that's really people who people who don't credit god for the things that they have will not worship god because they mm-hmm. don't see a need for him people that aren't appreciative for their salvation or for what god has done for them won't worship god yeah um and that's what risks, i think that's where we are in an increasingly cultural an increasingly secular culture we see more and more that our culture is delivering the things we need to survive, the things we need to thrive and all of that. And so why would we credit God? Yeah. Why would we worship God? Um, and so part of the part of the goal of the church is not just to remember, but to, I, I don't know, um, I, I didn't really read it like this before, but uh, Paul tells Timothy to fan and to flame the gift. And one of the things I've I, I just realized lately is um, you, you're not, God's not going to make you excited about him it's crazy to think you know that um you know i'm not getting fed i'm not getting excited i'm not getting the truth is you're gonna have to do some of that yourself and if you want you know your family to change you're gonna have to get into the word and you're gonna have to get excited about the kingdom and you're gonna and, and so there's you know what should we do as a church we should remember that all of the good in our lives comes from mm-hmm. comes from god yeah. and people will say no 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 it comes from you know science and technology and doctors and you know all this kind of stuff but hold on. Can you imagine, and I I said this on Sunday, standing on a a planet that's going through a revolution at 66,000 miles an hour in a perfect orbit around a sun that is 10,500 degrees with a a, a moon that is 2,100 miles across circling you all the time. And the sun rises every day and goes down every night of your entire life. And you think, that, that the one who causes that to happen has no effect on how good of a job your doctor does. And what I began to say is something like, you have a doctor that was born a kid that was born into just the right family, that encouraged education, that looked into a certain part of God's creation to become an expert in it through 20 something years of his life. And now he can see just a window into God's creation and learn how to manipulate God's creation. When your doctor operates a successful surgery, first and foremost, yes, thank the doctor and all that kind of stuff. But first and foremost, you should be thanking God that he created such an orderly universe that we can put ourselves in a position where we can understand even just a small piece Piece of it and come out with an effect that's good of ourselves god is the author of everything good um and we've forgotten because we want to credit the bible says they do this too that, that we will fall into the folly of, of worshiping the creation instead of the one who
2: creates
1: yeah so right. hey john so, yeah amen
2: yeah I, I wanted to say the same thing so i wanted god just looked like he was leading in like he wanted to say something but that was what i wanted to say too yeah so that, I, that's the key to, what, to what, we, what I think we need to do is remember, and that's part of the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That doesn't yeah. mean just about bread. That means understanding that we rely on God for everything, including our most basic needs. And when I pray that prayer, I'm asking God to, I'm thanking him for that, but I'm asking him to continue providing for what we need. And, and he, he has provided all good things.
1: And I think we need to demonstrate that regularly as Christians in the world around us that you know we we see the beauty of God in the medical world, we see the beauty of God in nature, um, and we we demonstrate that by the way we post it on our Facebook, by the way we tweet it. You know, as Christians, we need to be more intentional about. I feel like I feel like you're trying to tell me something about Facebook, Don. I, not, at all, not at all hey um yeah. housekeeping for a moment to the church of ephesus that was the one with the first love thank yeah. you revelation to um the other thing in housekeeping um, just in case you're thinking, Pete and I graduated from the same high school, we didn't, he stayed in the most blessed Lyons Township in LaGrange, and I abscond away from the track team of Lyons Township to Carl Sandburg High School out of Orland Park. So we graduated the same year, but I ended up in Carl Sandburg. So we did end up in different high schools for the record. Um, I I don't know, you know, when I was thinking about the title and what Reconciling Grace is, and we're sort of going to be leaning into some patriotic seasons every once in a while, um, my prayer is that we as Christians take seriously being the voice of, of Jesus in this world, that we find ways to be comfortable in our skin to say, you know, I see Jesus in this moment, or you know, how we breathe Jesus in it. I mean, that, that's why I so enjoyed Josh's preaching for a little bit. You know, it's, it's, I always enjoy his preaching. Anyways, um that we do acknowledge that, you know, God gave us the ability to govern over nature, over nature. I'm thinking about the creation event and how beautiful that is that we have this mind that God has given us. And we're not intertwining that reality enough in our world and maybe that's the way we stop being separate as a culture that we begin to see that as christians and breathe it into this world of ours i
2: like what you said there and just as you said uh to josh i'll say to you amen amen and i think we need to be uh maybe heading off of this podcast because we have uh taken a little longer than normal not too long i hope i hope that people who have been listening have been uh not just enjoying it, but being benefited by it. So I just want to thank Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, and Pastor Josh, Josh Kugel. And this is Pete Becky, and we're all pastors. And I just want to hope that this has been something, as I said, it has been edifying to you and hope that we will all understand that nothing that we have, as Josh said so well, nothing that we have that is good comes from any place but God. Every single thing we have that is good is of God. And we need to remember that that God is the giver and sustainer, and we need to give Him thanks, and we need to always keep that relationship with Him first. So, where is our culture today? Well, I don't think it's looking at God, but you know, maybe we in the church just need to do a better job of making sure that we are communicating that. So, for the three of us, for Pastor Mac, for for Josh, and for me, for Pete Vecchi. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Reconciling Grace. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time.
1: This has been
0: Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.